Conversations with Matt Dwyer. I, of course, am Matt Dwyer, and I'm very excited about the show. Oh, real quick, that uh, song that's playing there, that's Les Blanks, does my theme song. Really great band. Go to lesblanks.com, check them out, buy their music. I think they might even have some free music on there. Uh, they're really great. That's, uh, that's just one great song by them. And uh, this is also, uh, speaking of music, this is a very exciting uh, episode for me. Uh, and if you haven't uh, listened to this show before, uh, this is exactly what that I say it is. It's a conversation with me, Matt Dwyer, and I just sit down with a lot of people randomly and have uh, conversations. I've talked to uh, art dealers for serial killers. Uh, I'm talking, uh, and the episode uh, coming up, I have a female butcher I talked to, which was really fascinating. And today is uh, kind of uh, surreal for me because uh, I'm talking with David Yao, who was the front man for The Jesus Lizard, Scratch Acid, Kui. Uh, he's also an actor, a painter, uh, an artist. He's, his paintings are amazing, so you definitely should go on the webzies and check out his work. Um, and I'm, I'm, it was weird doing this conversation because uh, the 20-something-year-old me was kind of sitting in the room with me going, can you fucking believe you're sitting here with this guy who is uh, a legend? Is I, I think it's safe to say he's a legend. And as one of my friends said, he's one of the greatest all-time frontmen of, uh, of a rock band ever. And it's true. And I'm glad that didn't enter my head because there was already 20-something fandom seeping through my conversation I because the guy uh, is really just uh, an amazing man to me and he's uh, a very unique and uh, fascinating individual and so uh, here it is my conversation with the amazing and wonderful David Young Alright, uh, I'm just gonna jump right in and uh we are sitting in uh, David Yao's workspace. This is our first uh, remote uh, interview. So uh, thank you very much for having me in your home. Oh, you bet. Thank you, Matt, for doing it. David Yao has worked. Uh, you've been in the G- front man for the Jesus Lizards, uh, Scratch Acid, uh, Qui. Was that, is that mm-hmm. Which actually I saw you guys because I never got to see the Jesus Lizard in Chicago because I was always working. And it was like uh, I, I'd wanted to see you for a thousand years performing. And I saw you at uh, Silver Lake Lounge with Qui. Oh, wow. And uh, you were within less than five minutes, you were bleeding from your eye, which was... Uh, I was really excited about that. <laughs> it was like, because you hear so many legendary things about you on stage. Yeah, that was, I remember that. I remember that specifically. I think I was turning it to my left at the same time Matt was turning to his right and his guitar just sort of, the, I, the, the tuning key hit me right in the forehead. Oh yeah, I couldn't see what happened. I just saw the next thing I knew you were bleeding and I was just like, it was just this magical violence happened. <laughs> yeah, it was funny because Matt was really worried. He was he was very apologetic. Going, oh my God, my God, are you okay? And I was going, yeah, it's great. It doesn't hurt. It yeah. just looks cool. You kept stalking behind the bar, terrifying the... Uh, the uh, bartenders there. <laughs> and to me, that was like, uh, I felt like a kid. I was like so excited to uh, see you terrifying. And I have friends uh, who, I had a friend who would not go and see you because you, uh, he was like, he scares the shit out of me. <laughs> like your stage persona scared him. He's a real... Uh, sissy. Sissy. Yeah. yeah. But uh, how, how does that feel? Like, because... You're a very g- gentle fellow in person, but your persona on stage is uh, is pretty bombastic. Um, uh, I I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess um, 
the music, the punk rock that I was kind of weaned on in Austin was uh, always pretty entertaining to watch and sometimes dangerous. And I guess maybe that was... Uh, who, who, were the, who were the guys that... Like the Dicks and the Butthole Surfers and Sharon Tate's Baby and... Uh, That's like, and like, I, I, I'm a little bit younger than you, but like where I grew up, like it was, the music you heard was all like, it was, you had to like Led Zeppelin and Yes and all that at the doors. And so punk rock was not, when I first heard punk, it was like, I was like enthralled and like really excited, but I was like listening to it quietly in my bedroom because mm-hmm. I was like, my mother is going to think I've lost my fucking mind. Cause I was listening to, you know, I saw your mommy and your mommy's dead. And and it was like, and was that how it was for you when you first, or was that more in the era where you, it was just already there? No, it know. was, it, it was completely life changing. Cause I was into, Led, Led Zeppelin was my favorite band. I was really into uh, jazz fusion, like Brand X and uh-huh. Alphonse Muzon and Weather Report and shit like that. And uh, I heard about punk rock, and then on a Halloween, I think Halloween of 1979, um, a buddy of mine and I went to this bar in Austin that we had heard about, where this band called the uh, called um, the Huns were playing, and. Uh, it it I blew it blew my mind. I'd never seen anything like I, it. Had never occurred to me that you could be afraid of the people who are entertaining you. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, and it. Um, so yeah, like right away. I mean, it. I went to the local record store, and uh, they had been playing the over the PA. They were playing some music that I asked somebody who it was, and they said that's the Buzzcocks. And so. I went to the record store and I said, do you have anything by the Buzzcocks? And they said, yeah, hang on. And then he said, no, we don't have the Buzzcocks, but we have this. And he gave me the incredible Shrinking Dickies, the Dickies first album record. And I got that. And ever since then, I've... Yeah, it's weird. You have those... I'm a... I have such an appreciation. I can't play... I play the drums, but I'm lucky if I can play a knack song. That's how bad I am. (laughs) But it's like, I... There's two things I sort of worship, and that's musicians and the ability to create music and painting, which is something else you do. Mm. And uh, I just... I'm in awe of that, because I I still draw stick figures with their feet off to the side. I'm the worst. But, like, that music can... There can be these moments where it's just like your mind is blown and then everything changes. And that would be for me, punk rock and like Tom Waits. I don't know. But like when I first heard like swordfish trombone type stuff, it was just like the world changed. Yeah, that's an exciting. I, I know. What do you mean? That's Does that still happen to you? Is there still stuff? I find it happens with older music where I discover like Chico Hamilton. I discovered last year. Just a jazz Yeah, guy. it does. It hasn't happened in a while. Yeah, I get like just, or, or I guess uh, Ken Vandermark, who I'm assuming you know from Chicago. Mm-hmm. We used to, when I saw him at the Luna Lounge back in the '90s. I saw that you grew up in. You were born in Vegas, or you just, or did you grow up in Vegas? I was born in Vegas, but I moved. We moved away before I was two. That's pretty good to get out of there because I lived in Vegas. For mm-hmm. Do you have? Fa- do you ever go back just to hang out with family or anything? No, no, I don't have any family there. But the first time, the first time I was there. After moving away when I was like 18 months old was when the Jesus Lizard played there. And we played uh, the Huntington Theater. And I was really excited. And I called my I called my mom in Texas. And I said, hey, we're playing in Vegas tonight. And she said, oh, that's great. That's great. Where? And I told her the Huntington Theater. And she said, oh, you've been there. 
And she, it, it used to be a movie theater, and she said that she had seen movies there while she was pregnant with me. That's pretty. And I told, I think I told the audience that, and they didn't give a shit. <laughs> they didn't give a fuck. It was kind of like uh, another another really good one that the audience didn't give a fuck is we were doing a tour with um, your favorite band, Rage Against the Machine. Oh, I love them. Yeah, and we were playing in Fairfax, Virginia, and I had lived there, and I had gone to I went to high school. No, 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 I went to elementary school in Fairfax at a place called Old Creek Elementary, and so we're playing in front of. I don't know, five or six thousand people, and uh, I said, "Hey, I went to school at uh, Old Creek Elementary," and about three people go. <laughs> I once was doing a set and just like it was dead silent, and I just heard, "You're boring." <laughs> oh, and, at one of our shows? No, no, at, at oh. one of my shows. Oh. And uh, it's kind of hard to like when you're already a little frail. It was, Ouch! Like, yeah, yeah. It was like I, I was like, ah, and then fucked me for the rest of. Have you ever had anything like that where it's just like just throws uh, you off? The only one that comes to mind was at a place called the Zoo in Boise. There was a big room that we were playing in, and then it was an all ages show, and so there was a bar at the back, and so all the people that were drinking were in this bar, and we couldn't see them. And the only people that were in this room was a, fr a drunk frat boy and a drunk Indian. And they were just heckling us. And so we were playing to two people that were heckling us. And it's the only time of the thousand shows we played that I ever said to the guys, Hey, uh, you want to just stop? I don't, I don't see why the fuck we're doing this. You know? But I think we did play the whole show. I don't know if it's the same with music, but like I've had moments where... When I first moved to LA, I remember driving over the hill back to the valley, just screaming at the top of my lungs because I hated the onstage experience I had. Like I was just humiliated. And maybe that's more of a comedy thing. I don't know if you notice that as much in music. If well, that's man doing stand up. I, I did it once, and I've never been so scared in my life. So yeah, that's that's a whole different beast. You're so vulnerable. And you're just laying there with your soft white underbelly exposed, you know. <laughs> and my underbelly is very soft and, and pasty. Mm, I can tell. You grew up in Austin? or Because you mentioned your father before the show. You mentioned your father was in the Air Force. So did you move around a lot? or you based Yeah, we moved around a lot. We were born in Vegas, and then we moved to Libya in North Africa. Really? Yeah, we lived in two different places. We lived off base and on base. And uh, obviously that's when we were allies with the people in Tripoli. Uh, then we moved to North Carolina and then we moved to Virginia. Then we moved to England, then we moved to Texas and my dad retired in Texas. And then I moved to Chicago from there. How, how old? So when you stopped moving around, how old were you? I uh, 15 in Austin, Texas. Did that like, uh, moving around that much? Did it sort of affect you as a, I mean, I don't know. I, it didn't, I don't remember it bothering me that much. You know, it was kind of like every four years we would move, but um, it didn't bother me. I, um, I, I remember being in England before we were coming back to the States, wanting to get back to the States. Kind of, I was sort of an American boy. Did they, to. like, did people, like, point you out? Because I have a friend who grew up in Vienna and she's like, I, like, she was constantly just this weird outsider just <clears throat> because she was from the States and, you know, you know. We're not well-liked in a lot of parts of the world. Um, well, when I, like, when I lived in England from 71 to 75, 
if they didn't like if the if the blokes didn't like the Yanks, I was unaware of it. Uh, we lived on two places off base, but then when we lived on base, it was really kind of our own little American world, right? Um, you know, we had the school there and had grocery stores there, and we didn't have to go out into the little decrepit English world. <laughs> Because we're better than them. Oh, doy. God, America's so great. I love it yeah. so much. Well, maybe America's not maybe so great, but it's a shit ton better than England. <laughs> yeah. I, I lived in Edinburgh for a month, and I was just like, man, I can't wait to get home and have a fucking tomato. <laughs> yeah, but in Scotland? Yeah. Was... Yeah, but that's, see, that's, I don't know, I could listen to the brogue all day long. Oh, I had, I mean, we fucking drank like lunatics. My, I got back, and my girlfriend was like, Saw me get off the plane. She was like, what happened? Because <laughs> I looked so awful after a month. Oh, man, it's true. God, with um, with Scratch Acid, we went over there in uh, December, I think. or uh, No, Mar March. I don't know. Recently. Just recently. I missed that tour. I, was, I just noticed this morning. I was like, I don't know how that slipped past me. But, yeah, I think a day and a half after getting to England, my shit was beige. It's astounding. Yeah. I don't think I ate anything that grew out of the ground other than a fucking French fry. Yeah. And everything was battered, and I drank nothing but Guinness and Newcastle. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was awful. Yeah. I did make out with a British girl. Oh, that's nice. That's as close as... She had I slightly cheat. cheated on my girlfriend. But yeah. we broke up a month later, so... Oh, that's good. I could have slept with this girl, and then I've, always, I've never been much for the cheating... So I was like, ah, I should stop this. And then we broke, she threw me out. <laughs> I got home, I was like, I, I got to slept with a British girl. Damn. I really, I, I fail at almost everything I, I try, David. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. That's, uh, well, every failure begins with trying. Well, that's true. You should uh, do bumper stickers. Um, that's, a, that's a Homer Simpson quote. I can't take credit for it. Now, did you did you formally study art, or did because you paint as well, and now you're acting as well? I went to uh, art school. I went to college, and I was an art major, and um, became really, really good friends with one of my teachers uh, named uh, Mark Todd, and he ended up uh, he did the record covers for head and the cover the first scratch acid record and berserker by scratch acid and the greatest gift by scratch acid those are prints of his that he did recently um but yeah that was cool i enjoyed going to art school and uh mark and i still keep in contact because it always seems to be like a weird so many musicians i know went to art school and i don't know if that's just like a weird sort of natural progression or I, I don't know what if there is any sort of yeah i don't i don't i don't know either but i know a lot of folks did that like you know wire or jimmy page they all you know went to art school but. and what made you do because that was also there's another thing that like every guy i know who does comedy wishes they were in a rock band and a lot of guys i know or are, are, are in bands wish they did like there's a weird sort of liking for one another uh -huh. or appreciation and you like what made you want to start what made you want to do stand-up just to see if you could do it i didn't want to do stand-up oh you didn't no a friend of mine who's a comedian we were just hanging out and he said you're funny why don't you do stand-up one night and i went oh i don't know about that and he talked me into it and i he said get like eight minutes of material together so i did and uh where, i was where I did was you do absolute, it at the, uh, I don't think it's there anymore. It's a different. It was the Ramada Inn on Vermont. Oh yeah, it used to be the City Morgue. 
And it has that vibe of it, doesn't it? Is it used to be a morgue? Yeah, that used to be the L.A. County morgue. And it's, oh, that, that, yeah, that basement's such a The weed. basement, yeah, that's where, that's where we did it. And it's funny, like, I had been there with my buddy before, and each time we went there, it was just the comedians and the band and the barmaid and nobody else. There's comedians just going to watch their friends do stand-up. And then, and I didn't tell hardly anybody I was doing this thing. And uh, that afternoon, I got a phone call from Dale Crover from the Melvins. And he said, hey, are you doing stand-up tonight? <laughs> and I said, how did you know about that? And somebody in Portland had told him. Whoa. I was like, what the fuck? And so, I don't know, not a lot of people, but maybe like 20 people showed up. And I was terrified. And it, I completely flopped and nobody laughed. I think the biggest laugh I got was... I hadn't practiced it, but I wrote sort of my joke set list on my hand, and it got smudged, and I couldn't read it. And I said, oh, somebody wrote, somebody wrote tomato on my hand, and that was the biggest laugh I got. That's uh, how to, yeah. It's weird, because I don't know if you're aware of this, but you're, you as a... The Jesus Lizard guy is a huge comedy influence on a lot of Chicago comedians, and I have—I don't know if you're aware of that at all. I had no idea. And I know you know who Adam McKay is, and a lot of <clears throat> like your approach to sort of attacking the stage for oh. like is how a lot of us viewed. And there was—I was talking to somebody earlier today, uh, saying that I was going to talk to you, and I was saying how you were an influence on me comedically and she was like how i was like because no one was that aggressive on stage and as well as like a lot of your lyrics are uh like wonderfully dark there's some comedy uh, for sure yeah and there's i mean i would read your lyrics like on their own because th there's nothing like them i mean they're fucking great <laughs> oh that's for sure and uh but don't get me started you <laughs> but you definitely explore some very dark areas which uh i'm i i do as well and i i say a lot of things that really kind of are pretty dark and there, but there was nobody in comedy doing that and it was sort of like you gave us the right to go into these darker areas with our comedy or at least wow, me that it was, makes me feel warm and fuzzy it was there was a guy i saw in new york who did a sketch show <clears throat> at the ucb in new york and it was and afterwards i was like i was like that looked like if the Jesus Lizard did a sketch show, that's what it would be. He's like, oh, that was totally the influence. Well, um, are you familiar with Neil Hamburger? Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. I'm a big fan. I really like his stuff. But the first time I ever heard or saw Neil was in England when Slint curated the ATP that they did. <laughs> mm -hmm. And Neil Hamburger was on that. And I went to see him, and I was laughing my ass off. But I was going, wait a second, I made these jokes up 15 years ago. Is he stealing you? No, 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 but exactly that exact kind of right. just thoroughly disgusting shit. Like, one of the jokes I made up for that little stand-up routine was, um, uh, I've decided to quit eating shit because it really makes my vomit stink. <laughs> and stuff, stuff like that. And, um, that's a great joke. I know. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yeah. But, like, because, uh, Unless I'm an idiot, which is highly possible, but like your lyrics, there's not, no one really wrote lyrics like that as far as, uh, like. Well, the, one of the, one of the songs, a song called Lady Shoes is two jokes that I, that I made up that were sort of a dream. That's sort of, the, that's the song where, the, if I'm remembering correctly, because my brain is shot these days, but like, it's about the transvestite, right? That's hung, or am I crazy? And Lady. Oh no, that's rope. Oh right, okay. Uh, Lady shoes was about a 
It was a joke where uh, there's a little girl playing her piano while her mother's giving her an enema. And then the daddy comes in, he jacks off on the piano. And that's one of my jokes. And then the other joke is um, in the local maternity ward, a nurse goes in there with a big sledgehammer and she kills all the babies and she smashes up all the incubators and all the expensive monitoring equipment. And she calls the doctor and says, uh, you got to come down to the maternity ward and see what I did. And he comes down, he pops a boner, and he jacks off into her hat. And then the motel manager comes by, and he takes a little shit in his hand and puts it on like lipstick. <laughs> You're like the uh, the dark underbelly of the cat skills. Because yeah. it's, all, it's all like, and then the dad comes in and jerks off. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, like, was there, like... Uh, any sort of specific influence for your lyric right because it's like in my opinion it's and i'm not an educated man but it's like very it's like they're, they're like poems they're not typical or that's how i viewed them they weren't typical like lyrics there was they were very different um, or am i wrong i don't know what the uh you know uh i don't read much so i don't really know like i, I don't i can't really cite other writers as much of an influence um I don't know. I guess the people I hung out with and my uh, sense of humor and my dad was kind of a wordsmith. So I like fucking with words. I guess. I mean, I sort of read a lot, but I was more I was around a lot of literate people. So I think I just absorbed a lot. So people are like, oh, you're well read. And I'm like, I'm just regurgitating shit. I heard other people say mm -hmm. that I was fortunate enough to be around educated folk. But like that, I would say that was like my sort of formal education being 15 and hanging out at Second City. Being around, and I don't know if that, I mean, you moved around a lot. Was that sort of an influence in that weird way of just like meeting so many different people? Is that, okay. Yes. <laughs> the longest question ever and the shortest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no doubt about it. <laughs> uh, you should do stand up. Okay. Now, what about, how did you get, like, did you always want to act, or is that... Um, well, I, I took acting in high school. Oh, you did? And then uh, had a crush on my teacher. Her name was Candy Buckley, and she looked like a brunette Goldie Hawn. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's a great name. Yeah, Candy. Candace, we got to, and our, the close students got to call her Candy. Um, and then in Chicago, I did a few tiny little low budget things and then i moved out here hoping to get more acting work and uh only really really started pursuing it in the last couple years like trying to get a reel together and trying to get work and and uh it's going pretty well i've had this first half of this year i've got eight projects going so that's kind that's of great cool. yeah and you just worked with uh, my good friend neil mahoney I did. I just saw Neil last night. He's he's awesome. It's because we uh, we actually went and saw you at the Henry Fund, and we've uh, talked about you greatly over the years. And then it's like it's a little surreal that I, I, I don't want to sound like a nerd or a dope or anything, but it's like it's we sort of looked up to you for so many years, and then suddenly it's like I'm in the same room with you. And I don't mean to sound dopey, but it's like it's surreal. Very to exciting. Me. I'm sure. <laughs> It's very exciting. But I was like, I didn't sleep well last night because I was like, holy fuck, I'm going to David Yao's house. I know that. I, well, you know, it's funny that you were talking about, what's the guy's name that you did before? He worked with uh, Adam McKay? No, with Gacy. and Oh, Shane Bugby. My girlfriend said that I woke up in the middle of the night last night and went and said, um, 
um, Jeffrey Dahmer, the Ramirez brothers. And she said, what, what are you doing? And I said, well, you told me to guess. <laughs> uh, that would be a slightly, uh, uh, or eerie to have uh, the person next yeah, to you. Yeah, I don't know things. what that's all about. So I guess I didn't sleep that well last night either. I well, you were nervous to meet me. I'm a I'm a I'm a legend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a girlfriend once shoot up in bed, and she was sleep talking. She she was like, "I fucking hate you." <laughs> Put directly to me. So she's like, I hate you. I can't stand this relationship. And I and uh, then the next day I mentioned it to my friend Horatio uh, Sands. That's a name drop, everybody. And uh, and he was like, um, she, maybe she wasn't sleeping. <laughs> and I don't think she was. I think she was actually pretending to be. Because then like, a couple months later, she tossed me out. That's she, funny. Yeah. Well, she knew you made out with that that English girl. Yeah. She fucked everybody in uh, the Chicago music scene. I remember her, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can I tell you about a time that I... This is another joke, uh, but I, I dreamed this joke. And this is when I was living in... I had bought a house in Crown Point, Indiana. And uh, I woke up laughing hysterically. And my, I was married at the time. My wife said, "What? what the hell's going on? What's so funny? And the reason I woke up is because I had a dream where um, one morning one of the penguins goes into town <laughs> and he goes into he goes to the local True Value hardware store and he buys a variety of electrical tape like um, red, blue, green, orange, yellow, brown, white, black, silver, gray um, electrical tape. And then he goes back home and he fashions a mask out of the tape that looks just like the town homosexual, the town <laughs> faggot, actually. <laughs> And um, uh, then he he makes that mask and he goes back into town that afternoon and he ass rapes all the little boys in town. And so on the local news, when the beautiful news reporter is asking him why he did it, he said, well, I didn't ever, ever have any tape before. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a dream that I had that made me wake up laughing. Sorry, everybody. That's, I wish I had dreams like that. <clears throat> that joke and like the Lady Shoes joke, uh, they, uh, uh, they don't appeal to very many people. They're kind of their their audience is a limited. Their demographic <laughs> is small. Uh, I'll, I'll, if you want it, I can maybe get you booked in some of the shows that would. Uh, I don't want to do stand up ever again. Yeah, I say that almost every time you do it. I say it a lot. Like I quit every, every round January. I for the last five years I've quit stand up and I'm like I'm going to write a novel, and I've probably started five novels. Uh. And that's probably worse than doing stand-up. <laughs> you don't wouldn't audition for commercials, would you? Have you thought about that? Like, uh, um, I have thought about that. Uh, I really, really, really hate commercials. Um, yeah, I. It's conceivable, depending on what it was. Um, I actually did after um, Gilbert Gottfried got fired from being the Aflac Duck. I would love it if you were I, the Aflac Duck. I, I auditioned for. Did that. you really? Yeah, David Yao, Los Angeles, California. Ah, 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 ah,
black, air black, air black. Air black. black. didn't get it but uh i would have done that because it would there would be a fair amount of anonymity it wouldn't be you know not so many people would know that i was the aflac duck although i would love it if my friends would call me the duck um <laughs> you know yeah that's that's uh like voiceover money's fucking bonkers i would murder somebody to get into that like i have a friend yeah. who made like a million dollars one year doing mcdonald's voiceovers see i wouldn't i <sighs> I couldn't. I, know. I couldn't do that. I did. I've done a bunch of commercials, but it's like it. Every time I get the call or email to do them, my instant reaction is fuck. Like it's never like, oh, hey, an opportunity. It's fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I did like a subway one, and I was like, I lived off of it for th- three years. Like they ran it once a year for three. So it was like, yeah. But it's like it doesn't. It doesn't feel good. Have you done... So is that the Aflac thing is the only thing you... Uh, did? Were you close to getting that? Like, was it like you and like Joe Schmucky Joe? I have no Joe? idea. Well, it was an, I think it was a national call. For, so I think there was over a thousand um, auditions for it. How did you get the... You're, you played it for us, which it's... you When you hear it, it's like it's oddly... It's like, oh yeah, you should be the Aflac duck. Um, a friend of mine who uh, used to work at Touch and Go, now lives down in Texas. He's in Dallas. And he and his wife runs a casting company. And uh, they got asked to, uh, you know, get some people to do the Aflac Duck audition. And uh, I did that and uh, didn't get the job because obviously they weren't paying attention. You, in my opinion, you are the Aflac Duck. And I... I will never listen to any of your records the same way. <laughs> <laughs> Quack. Uh, yeah, it's weird how I and I don't. We were talking about commercials and how it feels. It feels gross. And like I, when I first got my first commercial check, though, I was like, "Oh, okay." <laughs> I was like, "Oh," because I've never in my goddamn life made. I've ne- I've had like spurts where I make decent money, but I've never. I've never been like, oh, hey, I can relax and guess I don't have to worry about my teeth falling out anymore. Right. But do you like, you've been at this a long time. Like I, once the Jesus lizard, or did you still have like periods where you're like, holy fuck. Like I have at 43, I still have moments where I'm like, fuck, really? Lentils like for a week? Like I still have these moments. Does that still, I mean, did that happen like when you were in like post Jesus lizard or does, does it, well, is just it ever poor? Just like ebbing and flowing of it or. Yeah, of course. Um, well, and before the Jesus Lizard, I mean, God, I I was virtually homeless for quite some time in Austin. I would just stay at people's houses and stuff. And um, and uh, then uh, after the Jesus Lizard, I really kind of lucked out because I had learned Photoshop, and I um, I started doing uh, photo retouching, and I was making 
crazy money, sometimes up to $250 an hour Oh man, uh, doing that. So that was great. That was really great. And I moved out here and kept doing it and doing key art and stuff like that. And then uh, several years ago, about five or so years ago, it just stopped. And all the companies that I had been doing work for um, started using in-house guys. And uh, the quality of work was terrible, but uh, they didn't have to pay as much. And so then... Yeah, I went through a, a few a, a while where I was broke and uh, kind of being supported by the old girlfriend. I need one of those. Yeah, yeah well. <laughs> I have a friend who married like insanely rich, and he grew up similar to me, but in Boston. He was like, one day he one day he just said to me, "He's like, well, you need to get a rich wife." I was like, "Yeah." Like, they're just everywhere waiting got, for the fucking poor actor guy. <laughs> what's his name? Uh, Zuckerberg just got married. Oh, well, the, I would have married the, him. The Facebook guy. Yeah. I, I hope I, he was that's dumb. A, that's a, his wife is a smart chick. I hope she was smart enough not to get a prenup. Like, Mac, mm. like Mac, when McCartney didn't do a prenup, I was like, really? Like you are the you are a romantic and an idiot <laughs> to think like it's gonna pan out. Like you're you have a half billion dollars anyway. But it's it's weird how that panic of I, I don't know I also grew up poor but like that panic of money never has gone away for me and even like you know Steve Agee from he was on Steve Agee he was on uh, Sarah Silverman show he did another podcast of mine and he's like my age and he was like the show was on the air and he was selling CDs at Amoeba to pay for food money I'm like does it fucking ever end when you're one of us I mean. No, but what? What? Like, and, uh, sorry, I went on a weird rant about my own finances. <laughs> but what brought you to LA? Was it acting, or you just had enough of Chicago acting? And uh, <clears throat> we were talking about advertising, and right. Um, I understand, you know, in a capital society, capital capitalistic society, um, advertising is kind of a necessary evil and I don't have really have a problem with it but marketing I think is disgusting and gets grosser by the second and uh, so I was working in Chicago doing photo retouching and most of the companies I worked for were, it was marketing and stuff and it just got it grossed me out and so I figured I could come out here and do mo movie posters and key art for movies and although that's still marketing because it's just for movies it's not hurting anybody you know I, I yeah so, so I did that. I wanted to do uh, key art out here, and uh, you know, hopefully, do some acting. And then once that the the uh, Photoshop work dried up, that's when I sort of started focusing on acting. Do you? How long have you been in LA? Uh, September will be 10 years. Yeah, I just hit the 10 year. Do you like it? Like it was because it's like weird. You move here from Chicago, and you. I think the problem with LA is everyone just compares it to other cities and it's like so I came here actually I came here from New York and but it was just like I wanted LA to be these other cities and it's like it's never going to be do you like it here or do you I love it. Is I it, like, love this town. Now I love it. It just took a weird adjustment but it's like man yeah I love it. We on a regular basis several times a week we'll be talking about how how we love this town. And where I live that run within a mile in any direction well, within a mile in, in a circle <laughs> from here, um, there are like 15 great restaurants walking distance. It's amazing. People and, think of L.A. as not a food town, and it's like, it's amazing. It's an amazing well, food but town. people suck. 
People are stupid. They are. And I hate them. I hate each one more than the next. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying not to hate so much, but like I work in a bar twice a week and like the five days that I'm not working, I'll be like, oh, like I'll get centered and I'll find like and I'll be all and then come Saturday, I'm ready to fucking punch people in the face. Because yeah. it, <laughs> it's just astounding how idiotic they can be. When I first moved here, I kind of thought that Chicago was a superior food town. And then uh, I came to the realization that it's kind of apples and oranges. And now it's just, LA just, I, I love it, man. I love the, the trend of this uh, sort of amazing vegan and raw food that I, a few years ago I'd go, I'm not even going to try that. It's really, really, really good. It's some of it is like I mean, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. It's like this sort of science and culinary shit combined with like there's a place called Crew on Sunset near the Junction, mm-hmm. and uh, it's vegan and raw. And I've had a, a pumpkin seed chorizo tostada that blew my mind. Really, it was so good. It's C R U with an umlaut <laughs> over the U. Yeah, it's weird because I think I feel like. Living in L.A. has expanded my mind a little bit, like made me more open to things like that. Where in Chicago, you'd be like, fucking a what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now I'd be and like you say that. And I'm like, fuck, I want that. It's uh, so good. So good. And the desserts will blow your mind. The other great thing about L.A. is like I've lived here 10 years and I'm still discovering places like like, do you know Papa Christo's? It's a Greek joint on just drove by there motherfucking yesterday. Have you yeah. eaten there? Huh? <laughs> have you eaten there? I have. I've been on there on Thursday nights when they have the belly dancers and you sit with strangers and stuff. Fuck, I never heard about that. I think it's Thursday nights when it's uh, you have to make a reservation and uh, they have these big, long like cafeteria tables and you sit with whoever. That sounds and amazing. They have belly dancers and it's a you don't order the food; they just bring it out. You know, so many course meal and stuff. That sounds and that's like also goes against the stereotype of LA, which is like uh, nobody's communicates and they all shut up that's like that sounds like an amazingly communal experience yeah it's it's good yeah and it's like i love that i've lived here 10 years i discovered that place maybe four or five months ago Mm -hmm. and you constantly man that here i lived in central texas for 13 or 14 years and uh for years and years i was said that the best thing you can eat is central texas style smoked brisket Mm mm-hmm and uh, I think the best brisket I've ever had in my life is in Sherman Oaks. What is it? <laughs> it's a place called uh, the Boneyard Bistro on Ventura near Woodman. I just, somebody posted on Facebook about that the other day, and I was like, I got to go to there. It costs too much, but it's really, 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 really good. Are you a big barbecue guy? Yeah. Because there's a, at the Atwater Village. Uh, oh, I know. That's those I folks. love that guy. Yeah. yeah, that's really good. Yeah. But that's sort of more sauce stuff. Yeah. I, I really like the, the dry rub stuff. And that's what the thing, the thing at the Boneyard Bistro, it's all dry, <coughs> excuse me, dry rub. And they have sauce on the side, but you don't need it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess sauce, you could technically say, is cheating a little bit. Like, if you've got a good sauce. Well, it depends could... on where it's from, you know, regional right. things. Like, God, there's a place, uh, Arthur Bryant's in in Kansas City. And his I'm going sauce, there in July. It's, it's a cool City. place called Arthur Bryant's. And, it, you know, you're generally used to sort of a thick, tomato-y, yeah. sweet sort of sauce. His is thin and salty. 
but it's really good. I'm going to have to check that shit out. You're a big food dude, right? I'm a big food dude, dude. <laughs> as soon as I said dude, I was like, why did you say dude? Because <laughs> <laughs> it rhymes with food, dude. Yeah, I was uh, I was being poetic. but it, And uh, I was told you make a badass chili and to get your chili recipe. Is this true? Um, I do make a badass chili, and I don't have a recipe. You just throw. What do you? What are your main thing? And do you use like canned beans, or do you fucking go the full hog? And either way, right? I use canned. I don't care. It, yeah. Um. But um. I've been making my own chili powder for years, and really? that, that helps a lot. And uh, I like to marinate whatever steak. I don't use ground beef usually. I use some cheap steak or good steak, and marinate it in uh, tequila and garlic and uh, lime. And, uh, for how long do you marinate it for? Overnight. And, um, I like rustic kind of harsh chili. I sometimes put coffee in it, uh, or Guinness or, um, uh, and a lot, a ton of chili powder. How do you make your own chili powder? You buy the dried chilies and then you have to sort of toast them in the oven until they don't, there's no flex. So they, they crack. And then just throw them in the spice grinder. And I have upstairs, I've got Chile Negros, New Mexico, Guajillo, Pasilla, Chipotle, Abanero. How do you, like, do you do a lot of cooking or is it like, eh, once in a while? Or, cause I, no, I cook probably five nights a week. Like, and you go all out full hog and just like make a nice. Sort of, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I wish my girlfriend was here. She would, she would be better at telling you. But yeah, I, I try and make it. I would, yeah, my I would love my apartment turns in like it's like a furnace like it's usually about twenty degrees hotter than it is outside and then if I cook it's like it's goddamn Africa and oh. it, so make, but I love like I I've uh, been on a I learned how to cook beef bourguignon a couple months ago mm-hmm. which is like it's like a five hour process but it's it's the best way to spend a day like and you drink a little bit of wine all day yeah 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 it's like and then your friends come over and you're soused and. It's the best. Yeah, I love cooking. And I um, I generally grill two or three nights a week, too. I'm just going to start hanging out in front of your apartment. <laughs> I'll just happen to be out for... Oh, hey, da- oh, you're grilling. That's oh, my... Oh, wow. Oh, that's weird. I just weird. happen to have a 12-pack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what other places do you like to eat? I could talk food, like... We could have done that for the whole hour. Uh, well, right behind here is Rambutan Thai... Oh, yeah, that place is great. Oh, I mean, near here. <laughs> uh, That's right. There's also Jitlata Thai on uh, Sunset is pretty, pretty amazing. Which one? Jitlata. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's in Hollywood. It's in a shitty little strip mall. But like Matt Groening goes there a lot. Like his drawings are all over the place. But oh, really? it's usually a little bit of a wait. And it's a, but it's like, it's amazing. It's really phenomenal Thai food. I'd, I'd eat that. <laughs> I'd, I'd eat that too. Um, uh, Agra Indian flued, 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 <laughs> dude, dude, flued, dude, <laughs> flued, dude. Um, it's really good. You know, don't be a little strip mall on Sunset near Fountain. Um, it's it, yeah. It's just so weird how many. And it's like I was reading this article uh, like a week ago about how L, like in literature, L.A. has such a shitty reputation, and like everybody who's ever visited L.A. writes about it poorly, like that it's just a shit town with nothing to offer. And it's like, it's, do they still do that, or was that was that a while I think back? People, uh, it's 
sort of, I think, still kind of people love to shit on this town. It's like I knew some chick from Chicago who was like coming to Chicago or coming to LA to do my stand up because I have to dumb it down so you people get it. And I'm like, yeah, we have to, dumb- yeah, that Spielberg guy's a real fucking clank. It's like we have some of the most Herzog lives here, like Herzog. And that's what this article was saying how Werner Herzog just loves LA because it's such a mishmash of creative people of every. And, and there's like, alien landscape plants that are cooler than you know <laughs> there's three kinds of trees in chicago look at the plants here with crazy beautiful <laughs> flowers and shit that's yeah. way better than any other town it, it this can, town can be one of the most <clears throat> beautiful places i've ever seen like there's days where i've been driving and i'm just like oh it's great and you see like mountains and the ocean, snow-capped mountains, right there. It's Have you great. ever gone up uh, up to the up to Mount Wilson? Up that drove, driven up to two to. I have. It's fucking astounding. I know. I was there with I had a friend up from out of town, and like we were like standing on some kind of ridge, and like clouds were like billowing over the side of the mountain, like a waterfall. It was one of the most amazing. Th- I was this like, a- this is like fifteen minutes from my apartment. Stop. It's I know. <laughs> I love it. I do. I'm yeah. I, I'm going to be here until I check out. I think. Yeah, it's weird. I don't mean this room. I mean Los Angeles. <laughs> I would. T- I could stay in this. Room. This room is better than my apartment. Oh. But yeah, I had I my agent was like, she was like, oh, I got asked to write for or submit to this TV show, and it was like, I was like, sitting here, like I was like, I would almost not take a job to stay in LA, like. I wouldn't want to live. I would never want to live in New York again. Have you lived in New York? I've never lived in New York. New York is it's, God. It smells it. like a urinal. Yeah, it's filthy. I mean, I love. I do think that New York has more of an aura than any other city I've ever been to, more than Berlin or Tokyo or Paris or anything. But I wouldn't want to live there. I've spent time there, and I I love visiting. But ugh, yeah, two weeks there is phenomenal. But when I like I inst- when I moved there, I instantly was like, oh fuck! Like I remember thinking that walking down the street, like you fucked up, and it was just it was probably six. It was six awful months of life of just like being miserable, and like when you're broke in New York, it is in your fucking face everywhere you go. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, it's not a lot of, but yeah. And like what, when traveling, like what were there like cities where you like, cause I've been to Edinburgh and that's about it, but you were like saying Tokyo, would you get to see stuff like, or was it just like do the show and get the fuck out of Tokyo? Um, Tokyo, I've been to Tokyo a couple of times and, uh, one of the trips we had some time off and got to do some poking around. Um, generally we did with the bands I've been, we did enough touring that, the good towns you would end up at some point having some time off in, you know, like on this particular trip, you know, you're in Paris for one day, but this other trip, you know, you got five days off there or something. And yeah, I guess so. you can't really gauge a city if you're there for a day. That's another thing that people, the way people generalize, they go to Los Angeles once and go, Oh, I hated that sh- that city. How can you have any idea what a city's like when you've been, there for 48 hours people love yeah it's i've never there's no city that gets such a reaction of, of la no it's true rednecks and hillbillies and white trash be like california bunch of faggots and Faggot. hippies god damn yeah it's so weird how people 
I don't know. Or they get, it's, uh, people like judge the food, like, oh, what are you, organic? It's like, why is that a bad thing that you're eating organic? Like, it's weird how that has a negative connotation to it. Yeah, I don't get it. It's like, I don't, I don't yeah. want cancer. What? Yeah, Monsanto. It's, okay, cool. It's not a, it's, it's weird how people choose to be threatened by these really weird things. I hate people so much. I hate them too. If I wasn't such a I hope pussy, they die. I hope they all die. They will. They will. That's the comfort we can take. Oh, now they- I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I got a boner. Every you, oh, that's a nice boner. Thanks. You uh yeah, how did you start ending up naked on stage? I've which I never saw. I only saw you perform with the Jesus Lizard uh here at the Henry Five. I had a drinking problem. Yeah, I've had those. Yeah. yeah. And that was just I guess, yeah, I've taken off my clothes naked. Or drunk. <laughs> I've taken off my clothes naked. Yeah. Every time I'm naked, I realize that I don't have my clothes on. <laughs> yeah. I've And a couple times I've had my clothes on and thought I was naked. Yeah. I've jumped in a couple showers. Tried to penetrate a woman. Still had my pants on. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I, I, there's one thing I was... I heard you set yourself on fire once, which is like... Is that is that was that blown out of proportion? Because that um, there we uh, that was in Lawrence, Kansas, and there was this kid right up front. Great town, by the way. Huh? I love Lawrence, Kansas. Good town, good little town. Um, it was a really low stage, and this kid up front with a can of gas, and he kept squirting his mouth and blowing flames out of his mouth, and so I grabbed it and squirted it all over my pants and lit my pants on fire. Oh, sorry, it wasn't because I just assumed you poured it on your skin, which doesn't even make any sense. No, no it, 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 the flames came up to about my face, and uh, it burned for a little while, and then went out. And I thought it looked, from my vantage point, it looked really cool because then it kept smoking. Yeah, and it was kind of cool. Was there anything you ever did where, like, the next day you're like, "What the fuck was I thinking?" Like that? I mean, you could have been like, "Holy shit, I could have killed my maybe twenty um, people." Early on, uh, after. One of, I think when Pure, after one of the records on Touch and Go, there was a a whole bunch of um, mistakes. The whole shipment of the records was wrong. They forgot to print on one side or something. There was something wrong with them. And so we had boxes and boxes and boxes of these vinyl records that were useless. And uh, we did a tour where we were kind of throwing them throwing the vinyl and i realized afterwards like a while afterwards that that was really dangerous because they were like they're like flying razor blades yeah that wouldn't hurt and um as a matter of fact we did a show in richmond virginia and after the show my friend we were standing there talking and he pointed up and i looked up and it was like a i don't know 40 50 foot ceiling but there was a record stuck in the ceiling and that's when i realized like wow so if it hits somebody in the face that could what like do whatever it would do. So that that was a that was kind of a dangerous thing. Did anyone ever get hurt at any of your shows? Other than did you ever get hurt? I, <laughs> I spent <laughs> the night in a few hospitals. Really? Oh yeah. For oh you, didn't you like stage dive once and nobody caught you? More than once. That's yeah. I'm a I'm a fucking real I'm a pussy when it comes like I couldn't do I'm I'm too neurotic. Like I would think oh yes no one's gonna catch me. Yeah. <laughs> But you never like like knocked out a tooth or anything. I've broken ribs, broke my hands, um uh been pegged in the head with a bottle, I saw that. Yeah. 
is there anything you want to need to plug or any of that? You have a you have davidyao.org, correct? .org and .net. .net? Oh, you got both. The .net is my um, art website. Right. And .org is my acting website. And I'm going to hopefully, within a couple of weeks, I'm going to launch a thing called uh, getfaced.net where you can uh, send me a picture of your face or somebody else's face or your cat or your dog or whatever, and I will give it the treatment that I did to these digital drawings, and the website will have... Uh, I'll show you when we're done. And um, people can buy those? And you ship people them off will be to able them? to buy them, and they're one-of-a-kind, special, custom-made Dealey Bobs. That's pretty awesome. I'm excited about it. <clears throat> yeah. And I, I should have asked this earlier, but you've, you've been doing improv classes at the UCB, am I not mistaken? Am I not mistaken? You are not mistaken, but that's all kind of over. We did that. Uh, I did an, an intensive with uh, Johnny Meeks, swell guy, really, really wonderful guy. And um, that that class was pretty funny. I mean, it was really helpful for me, but it was kind of strange in that um, I'm old. I'm 51 years old, and uh, I think that the oldest other person in the class was maybe 35. Other than that, they were all like 23 and 24 and stuff. And for the most part, it wasn't really an issue, <laughs> except <laughs> one day, and this I thought it was hilarious, we were all stood in a circle, and... Um, Johnny was going to say a word which was supposed to inspire somebody to uh, step into the center of the circle and start singing some song, whether the word Johnny said reminded them of a genre or a particular artist or the song or the lyrics or whatever. And so then everybody else in the circle is supposed to dance and clap and sing along. And so all these kids are, you know, tapping each other out and doing song after song after song. And I, I was sort of like dancing and clapping along and just laughing because I didn't know a single one of these fucking songs, or song after song after song, that I had no idea what they were. And um, Johnny was across the room, and uh, we kind of made eye contact, and I saw he was laughing. And he, uh, at one point, he kind of got up and he came over and he said, let's get David involved with this. And right then, the kid that was singing said something about drinking. So I tapped him out and I went... Um, well, I got to get drunk, and I sure do dread it, because I know just what I'm going to do. I'm going to spend my... And I was doing a Willie Nelson song, and all the kids were like standing there looking at me like I was an alien. They <laughs> had no idea what the song I was doing was. And so that was the only real age it's, difference. The Yeah, it's weird. Generation gap. Thing. When you work or hang out with people of that age, like... I had a girl in my apartment, and she saw a picture that I have framed of Jackie Gleason. And she was like, who's that? Your grandfather? Yeah. I was like, Jackie Gleason. She's like, who? I was like, the Honeymooners? She's like, I don't know what that is. I was like, it's one of the most yeah. influential. And I was, I was just like, I can't hang out with people. Like, it's impossible. Well, like, there well, was, you don't know who the fuck Jackie Gleason there was, is. There was that thing just recently where um, all these kids, I guess Paul McCartney did something on TV. And there are all these people who are going like, who's Paul McCartney? It's amazing, isn't it? No, I hate people. So I hate people too. God, I just hope they die. All right, uh, David, thank you very much. This has been uh, the greatest day of your life. It is actually. It is one of the better days of my life. Yeah. It's. Um, I, I I I don't know. It's it's been awesome. Thank you.
you very much for listening to Conversations with Matt Dwyer and uh, David Yao. Please go to his website, check out his art. Also, if you enjoyed the show, you know, uh, follow me on Twitter. It's Matt underscore Dwyer at the Twitters there. Uh, you can email me at uh, conversationswithdwyer at Gmail. Please donate to the show. Uh, I'm trying. I don't have a lot of money. I'm a, you know, we're struggling artists here at the uh, Feral Audio Collective, and uh, your money helps me buy equipment that allows me to go to places like David Yao's house and other people's homes and uh, do more recordings and, and whatnot and keep uh, food in Dustin, uh, the man who runs this thing's belly. Let's put food in Dustin's belly, shall we? Also, if you're going to buy something on uh, Amazon there, use my link. Come to the feralaudio.com website, go to my page, buy it through my link, and we get a little kickback from that. Also, if you like the show, please tell your friends, Twitter about it, Facebook about it, call people up in the morning. Even if you don't like the show, just do a nice act of kindness and tell somebody, hey, man, conversations with Matt Dwyer. And say it. you got to say it like Dennis Hopper. Hey, man, check it out. Uh, tell everybody. Um, there's also other shows. Uh, I share this time slot on Wednesdays with um, Dog-a- Dongatini. Uh, those ladies, real nice ladies, real sweet, and uh, we have yet to meet, but because of feralaudio.com, we've become good friends. I talk to Stephanie on the Facebooks uh, every goddamn day. Every goddamn day. That's who I am. I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Conversations with Matt Dwyer. It is my pleasure to talk to you. Recordings of private conversations from the files of the NSA. Now on feralaudio.com.